Greetings, Moonlight Citizens. This is your man on the moon here with yet another episode. Not just any old episode, but a double feature of Moonlight Kingdom Reviews. A double feature that I am calling the Too Old for This Shit double feature, as we will be chronicling two sequels starring leads and characters that are, let's face it, too old to still be doing the stuff they be doing in these movies. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be chronicling Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, as well as Expendables 4, or Expendables, if you want to get testy. And here we... Wait, that doesn't sound right. Blast off in 3, 2, 1, boom. First off, I'll be covering Expendables 4, Expendables, Expendables, whatever the heck that title says. Oh, this movie, uh, you know how it goes. I give some background on the movie before I really give my review. So now I'm going to give you some background on Expendables 4. <clears throat> After the Expendables 3, which came out in 2014, underperformed at the box office, the future of the series was left in doubt. Production stalled for many years. In November of 2014, it was announced the project is being developed with the intent to retain its R rating like the first two films. In 2016, Stallone announced that the fourth film will be the final film in the series, while a tentative release date was set for 2018. March 2017, Stallone left the project due to creative differences over the script and direction for the continuing franchise. And he would later come back in 2018. By August of 2020, Virtus Sin uh, announced their involvement as a production studio on the movie, alongside Lionsgate and Millennium Films. They also revealed Patrick Hughes would return as the director. He would later be replaced by Scott Woe in August 2021. <clears throat> in June of 2022, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme expressed interest in returning to the franchise and pitched his idea of playing... Claude Villan, the twin brother to his villainous character Jean Villan from the second movie. Despite discontent with how his character was handled in Expendables 3, Arnold Schwarzenegger proclaimed he was interested in returning to the series, if he liked the script. However, on May 29, 2023, Schwarzenegger confirmed that he would not be returning to the franchise due to general disinterest. While he was not in the fourth movie, Kellen Lutz explained interest to return in a potential fifth installment in an Instagram post. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, dude. Anyway, um, here's some other casting interests. Here's some curiosity, casting curiosities. Dwayne Johnson publicly expressed interest to play a villainous character in a new installment during a 2014 Q&A. In May of 2015, Hulk Hogan claimed he was in talks with Stallone to play the film's main villain. Um, yeah, let's take that with a very helpful serving of salt. Not saying the Hulkster is lying, I'm just saying, you know, let's not believe everything. Some of the stuff he says tends to be a tad on the extraordinary side. Anywho, <clears throat> filming began in August of 2021, stated that principal photography beginning in October, filming commenced in September, and well, 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 well. The film was shot in London and Bulgaria, and the Jackie Chan stunt team handled stunt choreography. Weird, considering Jackie Chan's not in this movie. But hey, in November of 2021, production was shot in Greece. And members of the Greek armed forces were used as extras. 
and alleged that they were not compensated for their month-long official employment, despite working overtime. In December of 2021, Tony Jaw confirmed that filming had wrapped. In regards to the film's post-production, the film had been titled Expendables. By June 2023, a name that was wildly ridiculed by commentators, and when asked why they chose this title, producer Les Weldon said it had always been the filmmaker's desire to pick it while retaining the Expendables brand identity. Why you couldn't just call it Expendables 4 then, man? Why you gotta go the fan four stick route, huh? You know the last movie that had a, Why you gotta be like Tech 3 in? Hmm? What's wrong with you? Ugh. I mentioned Jackie Chan earlier. Jackie Chan was actually offered roles in both Expendables 2 and 3, but unfortunately, as a result of a scheduling issue, he couldn't do Expendables 2. And he, in regards to like Expendables 3, he wanted to do more than what he was being offered. The, his, he wanted like his character to do more than what they were giving him in Expendables 3. And instead of doing Expendables 4, he pitched the idea that him and Stallone are going to do a movie together. Since And given everything that Expendables 4 has gone through, it might, not, it might be a better idea if that's the case. We might not that, see that movie for some time. It might not even happen, but here's hoping. I mean, we've seen Jackie Chan and John Cena. Who's to say we can't see Jackie Chan and Sly? Other notable potential cast members but didn't get, that didn't make it through include Jack Nicholson, Mila Jovovich, Clint Eastwood, Antonio Banderas, before he, that was before he joined for Expendables 3. And, yeah. So basically, laying it down like this, I mentioned Mila Jovovich. Mila Jovovich was initially offered <laughs> a role in an Expendables movie. I forget which one. I think it was Expendables 3. Yeah, it was 3. She was initially offered a role in Expendables 3, but she turned it down, and so instead they wound up picking Ronda Rousey. And I mentioned Terry Crews earlier. Uh, Terry Crews. Terry Crews' casting in the first Expendable was kind of hilarious, because originally Sly, Sly said that he wrote that part that wound up being played by Crews for Wesley Snipes, but then Wesley Snipes, you know, got arrested and had his tax-related issues. So then they offered the role to Forrest Whitaker, who then had to drop out of the role for reasons. I think he was filming something else around the same time. And then they offered the role to 50 Cent, who, for some unknown reason, turned the film down. And then, and only then, did they offer the role to Terry Crews. But then after Expendables 3, Terry Crews was told, had to drop out of the film for reasons I can't get into without risking demonetization. You know, look them up and feel free to do your own research. He had to drop out of the film and was instead replaced by 50 Cent. So it's weird. I would just like to know like the train of thought that goes from, well, we couldn't get Snipes, we couldn't get Whitaker, let's get Ellen, we couldn't get 50 Cent. Like, let's, how do you go from Snipes to Whitaker to 50 Cent? I mean, how do you go from Mila Jovovich to Ronda Rousey to Megan Fox? What is. Ugh. Whatever, that's enough background for this film. Now we delve into the actual meat of the thing. The review of Expendables. Okay, um, right out of the gate, this movie... Well, I'm glad this movie brought back the R rating to be more tonally in line with the movies that came before it. This movie totally could have been PG-13. Yeah, I don't... There's not a lot in this film that warrants an R rating. I mean, except for that grisly scene in the beginning that I'll get to later, but, like, other than that, I mean, this could have been a PG-13 movie. Confront some is... Anyway, um, 
Yeah, so Barney and his team are uh, gearing up to, you know, do what Expendables do, go out and stop the bad guy from doing bad guy things. And the bad guy in this movie being played by Eco Ace, who's on a mission to do generic bad guy stuff. And you'll right away you'll notice that the team is not as big as it used to be. It's not as stacked as it used to be, because in the third movie there was enough people to have two teams. And um, well, right away, Ronda Rousey's out, Terry Crews is out, Kellen Lutz is out, uh, Glenn Powell, uh, Jet Lee. <laughs> what the hell? What is going on with this franchise? Why are so many people just not in it? I understand the scheduling conflicts and whatnot, but you can hold off until they're free so they can get there. It's like. It's not like you have to do this movie right now or else, I don't know, something, I don't know, some rights somewhere will expire. You know, this isn't like a Fox movie where you have to rush something out of production. You can wait, you know. Also, waiting is what this film didn't need to do. Like, it absolutely shouldn't have done that in terms of pre-production and whatnot. Because this movie coming out now was a mistake. Like, movie coming, if the movie had, if this movie had come out in 2018, it might have been better because hell a lot of people would have been more available to play their roles and we wouldn't have gotten not as great substitutes for them like for instance there's this character named galan he's the new galgo like he's galgo's son and he's essentially doing an antonio banderas impersonation but it just ends up with him whispering all the time he's played by the guy who played mike Laurie's son in bad boys 3 would have been cool if he was that character instead. The way it could pay off what the movie was setting up. And this was what Mike meant, but it would help him, uh, you know, stay out of jail for the crimes. I'm not going to do that. It just sounds ridiculous coming out of me. Imagine how it sounds in the film. He stay out of jail for the crimes he did in that movie instead of just the explanation of, oh, he's Galgo's son and he's an expendable. Okay, nepotism. Cool, mercenary via nepotism, whatever. There's this guy named Marsh, who's played by Andy Garcia, and he's like the new church character. He's like the Bruce Willis type character who gives the Expendables their orders and so on. It's just weird because in the last movie, Harrison Ford was that dude. But, I, you know, it's clear they couldn't get Harrison Ford because he was doing Indiana Jones 5 at the same time. And that also explains why Banderas isn't here because he's also in that movie. Ah. <sighs> whatever uh ronda rousey's not here so there we got megan fox who is introduced as lee's girlfriend when i say not gently uh statham's girlfriend by nagging him about i don't know she's nagging him over the fact that he's british she's like oh i'm british i like to keep my feelings inside and she's like well f you like i'm an american and we're gonna talk about it like and she's nagging and throwing stuff and just 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 what is going on what is the point of this is this supposed to be funny like what is this does is uh statham's character like is this the running joke that he has lady troubles in every movie because he had them in the first movie and the second movie was kind of like he was all right like he was he was all right in the second movie you know like but like damn dude what the heck is going on here is this supposed to be a joke or like i don't get it why is this she was mad, like, you know what, you're, like, you're jealous that I can do what you do, like, whatever, and you're a caveman, and, like, you're, I, and she looks at Barney, like, you're my boss, but you're also, like, just like him, like, y'all are some cavemen, I'm just thinking, what the hell is this? 
what is this man like what what is this crap like who who has this damn sitcom crap man like what is this okay like what is this what is that what like, it's a joke huh the fuck is wrong with y'all i think it's a joke a fucking sitcom shit whatever moving on uh another thing disinterested eco waste is the least interesting eco waste his character in this film like we see we, we cut away from this uh soapy drama to show eco waste storming this base killing a bunch of people and i would say disinterested waste is worse version of him because he's like his character his character in this film seems to be just like his character from the movie mile 22 it would have been really interesting if that was the character he's playing because then he'd have more to him than just being the run-of-the-mill sadistic villain who's got a disregard for human life and doesn't show much emotion like dude we get it you kill people you don't care that you kill people and like a part of you like I don't know, digs it? Or like you're really into knives or whatever? Like that's his shtick. He's into knives and he kills people even though he doesn't have to, I guess. He's he's a generic villain, man. It took a year. It took like three different writers to write this script. And the best they could come up with was we have equal waste as a villain, so let's make him a generic, you know, disregarding human life villain. Whatever. Oh, man. Barn oh, so the the Expendables have their mission. They chase after Eco Waste, and you know Bonnie is in the plane flying over, providing support or whatever, and he gets shot down by Eco Waste's guns. And instead of chasing down Waste's character, like you know he orders him to, Statham's character says, "Screw it, I'm saving you." Goes off to try and save him. But it's all for not as Barney's blasted out of the sky and he dies in a fiery wreck. It's like, what the hell? Barney dies? This was so out of nowhere, man. Like, he died in a fire explosion with the movie cutting to his wake. Where the bar, they all, they keep, see, cause we actually see, um, see, so when I was watching this, I'm thinking, wait, we didn't actually see him, like, die, so... They're going to find some way to weasel out this. But then the movie shows, like, a skeleton, and we see his freaking hand, like, with the ring on. So we're like, damn, they really killed him. We may not have seen him die, but we see a body. And then when they cut to the wake, we see they did they kept the freaking hand. They have the guy's freaking skeleton, not the skeleton, but, like, his bones with the ring finger on them on display in the bar for everyone to see. And I was just like, what the hell? That is messed up. That is beyond messed up. It just ends up feeling like a rehash of Expendables 3. Only in this instance, it's more like they're trying to say this is the movie they should have made instead of it. But I don't know, because in Expendables 3, Caesar doesn't die. He's just gravely injured. Like it, it, This is like Expendables 3, but in place of Caesar, you have Barney. And in place of him being injured, he dies. You know, like, And instead of Christmas placing the blame on himself like barney did in the third one everyone else puts the blame on him and makes him feel like he's the one responsible for barney's death well in the, the expendables 3 he puts the blame on himself and chose to disband the team in this one the blame is put on statham's character and they essentially kick him out no they bench him they essentially bench him instead of you know him like breaking up the team or willingly stepping down like they just bench him then he dude this is weird man like uh this would have 
Bonnie's death would have had a far better impact if the original cast was in this movie. If we had Terry Crews, we had, you know, I mean, we still have, we still have Randy Couture and, and, and Dolph Lundgren, but like, I mean, it's not the same, you know, if we had Jet Li, Terry Crews in there, it would have been, it would have hit more, you know, it would have been a big deal to see their reactions to this instead of seeing the reactions of a few of the OG squad and a couple of guys who we've literally just met. Like, we just met Megan Fox's character. We just met 50 Cent and Galan. Like, we don't know them. They don't know. Like, they don't know Barney like the other guys do, you know? Like, and there's a moment where, like, 50 Cent is like you. Like, Barney was willing to sacrifice himself if it meant, like, you stop stopping the bad guys and you, like, let the bad guy escape. So you made his sacrifice mean nothing. Like, it's dickish, but he kind of has a point, dude. Like, yeah, he was willing to sacrifice himself. That's why he told you to keep going. But, like, you tried to save him and failed. Led to the bad guy getting away, and his sacrifice meant nothing. You made his death mean nothing. It isn't until Christmas leaves that Longman's character gets mad at 50 Cent, and he is like, nothing Barney did meant... What? Not nothing Barney did meant... Like, he never did anything that was, like meant nothing or whatever he always meant something or i don't even remember but he got mad at what he said you know like whatever moving on from that um lash this one character named lash is filling in for jet lee 50 cent is filling in for terry cruz galan is filling in for banderas megan fox is seemingly filling in for ronda rousey uh this is an audited movie and like there's a scene where it seems like Megan Fox and Statham are going to get it on in this film, but then the camera just cuts to after the fact, and I'm sitting there wondering, this movie is R-rated, right? There is an R-rated movie that I'm watching. I didn't wander into the wrong theater, so why are we just cutting after the fact? Like, it's a CW movie, or like, it's still trying to hold on to a PG-13 rating. Like, why? I mean, for heaven's sake, she still has her freaking like lingerie on like this is a pg-13 sex scene you're telling me they did it and kept their clothes on like what the ah whatever man tony jaws in this movie and he's playing daisha the man who's put his a man who's put his violent past behind him and doesn't want to be a violent man again but is dragged back into the action once again because of a friend it's called what i've decided to call it the john rambo syndrome the plot is this the bad guy is trying to steal nukes to you know kick off world war three after he sets them off in russia and blame like the russians will blame the u.s because the ship that blew it up was made to look like a u.s ship yeah he's trying to kickstart world war three between america and russia and the expendables jobs attached with stopping them and um i'm not even gonna bother going through the story anymore we know how this goes yeah you know, Stallone's kicked out of the team and he's even a bodyguard for an influencer for a while, but then he decides, screw it, and he decides to go after them on his own and the team goes after this dude, but they get captured and it's basically Expendables 3. It's like someone looked at Expendables 3, decided to remake that, but changed just enough that we would call it another movie. Uh, it turns out that Marsh, the guy that 
the good guys star was working with that the good guys are working for has been with the bad guys all along not only that but he's the secret bad guy behind everything and he has a villain monologue explaining that he's doing all this to make money off the war that this bomb will create you know like the, the war that'll be created and then there's also the this movie just descends into some cliches after this like the hero sacrificing himself to let his friends get away cliche the bad guy killing one of his own and then giving the nearest guy a promotion. Uh, the bad guy throws his weapon away to have a one-on-one fight with the hero cliche. And the ultimate cliche of all, well, ultimate action movie cliche, the character we thought was dead comes back and is revealed to have faked their death. As Barney returns in time to sink the ship and save Statham, they fly off in the sunset. The movie ends as all the others did, with everybody toasting at the bar and Barney revealing that the body that burned in the crash was that of the guy who took his ring at the beginning of the movie. <sighs> 5 out of 10, dude. It just doesn't match up to the ones that came before. It's not a bad movie, but it's not great either, man. Most of this film, I was just wondering what the team was wondering when they boarded the bad guy's ship. Where is everyone? Like, where's the rest of the team? Where's the actual team? Who? Where is everybody? The fights were good. You know, I mean, produced by Jack and Chan's stunt team. They better be good. Particularly the one with Daisha and Lash, as they were going two-on-one against this one mercenary. The barbell at the beginning could have been something, but it was too short, you know? Same thing with the fight between Waste and Statham. That could have been something really sweet, but it was also pretty short. And I'm just looking and thinking, you got equal waste. And Tony Ja in the same movie, and there's no fight. There's no fight there, man. You don't have Ways and Ja in the same. They don't even share seeds. They don't even. I'm pretty sure, like Tony Ja's character doesn't even know who the main bad guy looks like. I mean, damn, they don't cross paths at all in this movie. That was a missed opportunity right there. Anyway, man, yeah, that's what I thought, man. Five out of ten. I. If you're a fan of this franchise, I'd recommend you not watch it. If you're a fan of this franchise, as far as you're concerned, the Expendable series only ever had three movies. A solid action movie trilogy. And that'll be the last bite. Boomalay, boomalay, boom, boomalay, boomalay, boom. Okay, now we review Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Indy 5, the sequel we really didn't need. I mean, Indy 4 had such a happy ending and such a, you know, a fitting ending for the character that he finally gets to just walk off into the sunset and is left to a unassuming life that, you know, he would wage that a character of his age would want. But hey, man, franchise has got a franchise, I guess. Uh... <clears throat> Another movie opens with like Indiana Jones in like the 40s. It's like the last days of the Nazi regime and the Nazis are trying to destroy as much history and art as they can get their hands on. They're also trying to salvage as much of like the mystical stuff. And um, yeah, the first time we see young Indiana Jones in the 40s, you know, era, he looks all right. He looks pretty good, especially it seems like on the train and everything. He looks all right. But the second time we see him, when he goes to see Baz, he looks like a deep fake. He just looks like a straight up deep fake of Harrison Ford. Like he's got a mask on his face. You know, like 
I, I can't properly explain it. It's like the face on his face is wearing a mask. That's what it looks like. There's a moment where he's like in this car. He's looking forward. And when he's looking forward, there's nothing being done to his face. It's just regular Harrison Ford. This isn't set in the 40s. This is set like years later. So it makes sense that he would have aged some. But like the moment he turns, the deep face comes back on. Like, dude, ugh, you. Uh, yeah. It's just, though, the, um, in the present day storyline. So yeah, Kim and his partner, they get the Dial of Destiny. And they hold on to it because the Nazis are looking for it to try and use it as a way to travel back in time and then change history it it's in a pretty surprising twist of events later on i'll mention it later but like so indiana jones his goddaughter comes in i don't remember her name i don't care that much his daughter come goddaughter comes in and start asking about the dial indy shows her that he didn't get rid of it she steals it from him and she runs off but like the cia is in hot pursuit and like Indiana Jones is being chased too. At least that's what he thinks. Initially, it seems like they're just chasing his goddaughter, and he happens to be also be running in that direction because he's chasing her too. And they try to talk to him. Like the one agent says, Dr. Jones, we just want to. And before she can probably get a warrant out, he's like trying to distract them and block their passage, and he's knocking over shelves. And there's this chase scene that doesn't need to happen if people involved just sit down and talk but yeah you know they chase him throughout america they chase him through this like moon day parade and it's you know it's a pretty solid chase scene i I won't lie indiana jones on horseback racing to beat trains is pretty good um eventually the the people who are chasing jones aren't just cia it turns out members of that group are working with the main villain of this movie. Um, he played by Mads Mikkelsen. This is the second time Mads Mikkelsen has played a, a, a solid villain in a not-so-solid movie. Yeah, so they killed a bunch of people en route to chasing Indy. While they were chasing Indy, they killed a bunch of people, and now he's the one who's being blamed for those murders. And, you know, it's a way of putting him in the story, whether he wants to be or not. Like, at his age, you can tell, like, you don't want to be involved in shit like this anymore. But have putting a murder charge on him kind of forces him to be in a story. It's like, okay, now he has to, you know, be involved. He has to try to find out what happened to his goddaughter and find a way to prove that he had nothing to do with all these murders as a way to clear his name. You know, like, he doesn't want to be here, but he's got to be. It isn't until he travels, he goes overseas, and he meets his goddaughter trying to sell the damn thing. And, ugh, I still say this is dumb. Indiana Jones is lying about, it belongs in a museum. Like, just, dude, if it belonged in a museum, you wouldn't have been sticking it in your freaking, I don't know, drawer in some room somewhere. Uh, If that's what you believed, you wouldn't have stuck it in some drawer. You would have handed it over to a museum. But it's like, it's too dangerous to hand over to a museum so like destroy it but it's too valuable to be destroyed ah screw you man then then what do you care if she's selling it it doesn't mean anything and there's a scene where like all the buyers are getting mad because he's trying to take it so he pulls his whip and he cracks it like it's in the trailer this isn't trailer. he's like cracking like like ah ha everybody and they all just pull guns on him and he's standing there like oh no like oh crud like i didn't foresee this like 
Are you kidding me, dude? Are you telling me that all these years later and using of the whip and everything, you didn't expect that maybe, I don't know, somebody would pull a gun on you? You've been the dude to pull a gun on somebody, like with the sword guy at the beginning to do all this fancy stuff, and you just pulled a gun and shot him. You didn't think that might happen to you one day if you pulled your whip on somebody? Like, come on, man. Ugh, whatever. Anyway, after the Nazis get the dial, or like that half of the dial, and they're off with it, he resolves himself to chase them down and get the dial out of their hands, because Lord knows what they would do to it. And at that point, the sense that he'd rather not be there, the sense that he would rather not be doing this, that he doesn't have a choice, is gone. You know, like he's doing this to just clear his name or the murder charge. Yeah, that's gone. The moment the doll is stolen by the Nazis, after that, he's all in on the quest for the doll. And his goddaughter, who initially seemed to be just in it for the money, you know, like she doesn't care about the archaeological stuff, she's also all in now. And at no point during any of this afterwards does she mention, like, can you imagine how much this is worth? You know, like, how much we would get for this on the black market or anything? Nope, she just drops all that, and she's like a willing sidekick now. This movie has four writers. And it shows. But yeah, they go underwater because there was a clue on the thing that told them to do so. And for do that, they need that a diver. And Indiana Jones' friend, played by Antonio Banderas, is that diver. Explains why he wasn't in Expendables 4. Expendables, but anyway. So yeah, when they come up, the Nazis are there waiting for them. And they're interrogating them to find out what is written on the dial and translations and stuff. And when... Indiana's friend tries to stop them. They kill him. And it's really, you know, at first it's sad. It's like, damn, he died. You know, I'll, I'll miss old. What was his name? Yeah, because, yeah, he was played by Antonio Banderas, but they didn't really give him much to do in the way of character development or anything. At least that's just how I felt. And after Indy and his goddaughter and her kid sidekick who's like pickpocket sidekick because this kid who follows her around. After they escape, you know, Indy's kind of sad about it. And he even he even says, like, I, I just saw my friend get murdered. Like, well, they were celebrating, like, oh, we got away, we got away. Like, why'd you happy? We got away. And he's like, I just saw my friend get murdered. It's like, damn, I'm sorry, man. And then, then they, by the time they move on to the next scene, it's like it didn't even happen. They're just continuing to look for the thing, continuing to start through cues. Ugh. <sighs> Leading to this under this place underground, like this tomb where uh Galileo, I think it's Galileo. I don't remember who did this, but like the person who invented the dial, they discovered the full dial in its entirety, and in the center there's a watch, like a proper like pocket watch, and it's like, man, during like the era of the Roman Empire, this was not a thing. Like the very existence of this pocket watch in the device proves that it works because this is a pocket watch. What is it doing in this device that was made during the era of the Roman Empire? Like, dude, if anything, it proves that it works. We later find out that that pocket watch isn't just any pocket watch. It's the pocket watch belonging to the main villain. It just creates this weird, like, chicken and egg thing. Because, you know, the scientist who'd gone to create the device finds the pocket watch on the dead body of the main villain after he gets shot out of the sky. When he and Indy and all them travel back through time and stuff, you know, so, yeah, they, uh, man, this movie, there's a really sad moment, like a really somber moment where the goddaughter asks Indy, what would you do if you could 
like travel back anywhere. And he says like if he could travel back, he would travel back to tell his son not to enlist because he knew that he was going to die. And now we know what happened, why Mutt Williams isn't in the movie. You know, Indy's son from the fourth movie. He's not in the movie because he's dead. Plus, the studio sure as heck didn't want to open the can of worms that is good old Shia LaBeouf. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, that's they're really sad at that moment. But afterwards, we got to get back to adventure and fun times and punching Nazis and, you know, bang, bang, bangs and Lord knows whatever. Uh, so they're in the past. They managed to travel through there through a wormhole in a storm or some such other things using the dial. And after, you know, the main villain is defeated and Indiana Jones is just sitting there looking out at, like, history, he's just thinking to himself, man, like, damn, goddaughter, why don't you just leave me here? Like, I'd be pretty good here, you know? Like, I'm, I'm good being here. And she's like, no, you're dying. Like, there's no medicine to help you here. And it's like, I mean... Uh, he's cool and he seems cool with it because like he's like this is the he i think he said something like this is the past like this is where he belongs like because in the present like there's nothing for him in the present like he's just you know he fits in this this kind of place like if he was gonna die here then he's content dying here in the past witnessing this historical battle and if he survives, then he's cool with just living here, you know. But, hey, um, yeah, we don't get to see the, how they get back because, you know, the goddaughter not wanting to lose him just yet says, screw what you want. She knocks him out. And when he wakes up after getting knocked out, he wakes up in his apartment. And this movie just goes full Lord of the Rings Return of the King with its ending as like he wakes up. Looks over, he sees his goddaughter, sees the little kid. Says, they're back in the States now. They're back in the present day. Looks over, sees his daughter, sees his her, like, little kid sidekick. And then after that, his uh, his old friend Sala from the first couple movies comes in. He's got his family, and it's all good. It's straight up Frodo looking over and be like, my friends. Like, that's just, that's, that is. And then afterwards, Marion comes in. As they've been separated, like, this movie, but, like, this this was the event that finally brought them back together and, like, got them talking to each other, and they, like, hug. Now, as everyone goes out for ice cream, you know, he and Marion are together again, and Jones gets his happy ending. The final shot is, like, a shot of Indy's hat. So, um... Uh, question. So many questions. I mean, I, I can tell that... The reason they didn't film them coming back to the present was because they just couldn't come up with an answer as to, wait, how are they going to get back? We don't even know how they got there, man. Like, we don't even fully explain how they knew, like, how they knew to get back. Like, this is a scene where, like, well, we need to get a lot of information out there really fast and there's no way to get it out visually. What do we do? We just have the characters explain it really loudly, really fast, like... Indiana Jones was like, wait, can't, like the, the bad guy wanted to use the Dow to travel back in time to like World War II era to kill Adolf Hitler because he felt like Adolf Hitler wasn't the right guy to lead the, you know, Germans during that time. He's like, I watched every mistake. I watched every blunder. And like, so now he's going to travel back in time to correct it. But then Indiana Jones, right before the good thing, the, the wormhole or whatever is like, wait, continental drift. Galileo never witnessed it. It wasn't a thing back then. It wasn't a noticeable phenomenon. 
your like directions on that thing could be very wrong. There's a high possibility you're not taking us back to 19 whatever. It's likely you're just taking us back to like I don't know, 9 whatever or something. And then while they're flying through all this wreckage and being shot at by harpoons and whatever, he's like expositing like like damn, you know, we're at the battle of blah blah blah. Like this is where the 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 device was designed. And later on, they just fill that in, like, like Elio didn't design this thing to travel back in time. He traveled it, like, he designed it to get help, to try and get help from people from the future to help them at that moment. The device only sends someone back here. It can't send someone whatever point they wish to go. It only sends someone to this point in time because it was designed to send people from the future to this point. So, so they would help, like... It's like that scene in Bill and Ted where they're like, like, we'll just get our future selves to travel back in time and put a key here so that our younger selves can get in. Like, that's kind of what it is, man. But we don't see all that. We just hear Jones and his goddaughter exposit all that to us, man. Like, we just hear them say all that. There's no concrete evidence for any of it, but, like, I guess that's how it is because, well, they said it, so it must be true. Anyway, my opinion of this movie, I give this movie a 6 out of 10. I enjoyed some of the action sequences. I mean, it's an Indiana Jones story. It's not a great Indiana Jones story. As a matter of fact, it might be just about the worst. It's the lowest ranking of the stories, in my opinion. So, yeah, 6 out of 10 it is. And, um, yeah, we didn't need this movie. Uh, we absolutely did not need to see this movie, but, hey. Franchise has got a franchise, a 6 out of 10. That's my thoughts on this movie. Uh, visuals weren't that great. Uh, music, other than the Indiana Jones theme, was downright forgettable, almost. You know, just the story itself was not particularly great. I mean, it was an original twist having the bad guy who seemed to be like the most, you know, SS man of SS being like the guy to be like, hey, man, I'm going to travel back in time and I'm going to, you know, use this device to off Hitler. So, yeah, that was a nice twist. Mads Mikkelsen is a delight, as always. Uh, Harrison Ford plays old man Indiana Jones really well. Everyone played their characters really well. It's just the, um, you know, the writing and the CGI and stuff that let them down. You know, no one in this movie is a bad actor. They're just in a bad movie. Thus is the end of the Moonlight Kingdom reviews Too Old for the Shit double feature with a combined score of 11 out of 20. These movies are surprising. They scored surprisingly hard than you think they would by my de-energized tone and lack of care for anything. Because the thing is, I w like these characters. I like Big Bonnie Ross and Lee Christmas and them. I like the Expendables. Mo 1 to 3 are really good. One and two are above all that. Three isn't as good, but damn, they're better than four. And Indiana Jones 5, I wasn't particularly hyped to see it. It just felt like his story was done. He didn't need another movie to, like, close this out. And, you know, if there was going to be another Indiana Jones story, I always thought it would be a reboot, you know, with, like, Chris Pratt or whatever, but nope. 
That's not what's happening. It was always going to be Harrison Ford, and I'm not bad at it. He can still go, then let him go. But damn, man, you know, sometimes you just need to stop at, like, three movies. You know, we didn't need that fourth movie, but it was nice to have. I neither needed nor wanted another movie after that, but this isn't even nice to have, man. It's like, it's there. What you going to do? So, yeah, that's that. Those are my thoughts on Indy 5 and Expendables. Expend 4. Expendables. Ah! Expendables 4. Jeez. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, it may seem like pessimistic or downtrodden, but I'm not, dude. I'm actually fairly happy. That was it for the too old for this shit double feature of Moonlight Kingdom reviews. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Ladies, bros, non-binary those, rock out. Shot